So what we want to talk about is the simplicity of the faith. So if you have a Bible, you're going to need to look some of the verses up. But I want to tell you some stories as well. In the uh, Republic of Democratic Congo, which at this point in time is in a war, there's a civil war going on, there's a young lady who has led 250,000 children to the Lord Jesus Christ over the past five years. And she has uh, loved them, and she has taught them how to love one another. And these young children go out in teams to share the gospel with unreached people groups who have never heard about Jesus. And they share, they preach, they heal the sick, and they cast out demons. And in 2017, so last year, these children shared the gospel with 169 unreached people groups. These are not teenagers. These are children. They shared the gospel in areas where in the past adult believers who have gone in to share the gospel have been killed for the good news that they were trying to share. These children have a very simple faith. Remember Jesus said if you, come, you want to come into the kingdom, you have to come in as little children. They simply loved Jesus. And the Bible says, Jesus said, that if you love me, you will obey me. Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples. And so these young children love Jesus and show it by their attitude and their obedience to the command that Jesus left them. See, Jesus said the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to the nations. And word nations, there's people groups, unreached and reached, and then the end shall come. So these kids are helping Jesus to come back. Early in Jesus' ministry, he chose 12 men to be his disciples. And a short time later, early in their time with him, he gave them basic and simple instructions regarding what to take with them as he was about to send them out. He told them what to take and he told them what not to take. And they were to travel light and they actually told them what to wear and then sent them out. And so in Mark chapter 6, it says, they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. Gee, there's a message you don't hear very often. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. These guys weren't trained. They had just begun to walk with Jesus. They didn't really understand who he was, what he had come to do, what he was hoping to do. When we read that, we think back through 2,000 years of history. And we're not seeing it the way they see it. Jesus has just been raised from the dead and he's spoken to his disciples and he's telling them to go into all the world and share the gospel of the kingdom to preach. Immediately after telling them to do that, he goes home. He ascends into heaven. The disciples are clueless. They do not know how to do what Jesus has commanded them to do. They're being told, go into all the world. The world is against them. The world kills people like them. As you go into all the world, make disciples, get people saved. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them everything I have commanded you. How many commands are there in the New Testament? 1,005, 1,050 of them. 
That's quite a job. When the guy who was leading you just went home to heaven. And you're clueless. God didn't give you the details on how to do it. He didn't give you a written plan. They were just to go and they would be guided and directed by the Holy Spirit as they went. So Mark 16 says something very amazing. It's the most amazing verse. Is the last verse in Mark 16. It says, and they went out. In other words, they did what Jesus said. My, that's amazing. They went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs and wonders. So here's what the verse says. Jesus told them, go into all the world. They have no clue what they're doing, how to do it, where to do it, when to do it. But they stood up and they stepped out in faith. And every time they did, God showed up and showed off. See, this is simple. And we're complicating things. It's not complicated. That's simple faith in action. Jesus said, go do it. They got up and they went and did it. And every time they did it, he would show up and confirm what they were doing. Pretty neat, huh? We've complicated things and made things much more difficult than they really need to be. Jesus confronts a man who is seriously demon-possessed. It's in Mark chapter 5. How, how possessed was he? Well, he lived in a graveyard. He was naked. He was constantly cutting himself with rocks. And he was on a path to total self-destruction. Jesus comes along, casts out the demons. The demons fill every pig in the nearby herd of pigs who then go down the hill and self-destruct by jumping into the water, into the sea. The demon-possessed man, who's now free and dressed and in his right mind, asks to go with Jesus when he and his disciples were about to leave. He more than asked. The Bible says he begged to go with Jesus. And Jesus didn't grant him his request. Listen to what Jesus said to the man. Go home. Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And listen to what the man did. He went home, and began to proclaim in the Decapolis, that's a valley with ten cities, how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. Here's what I marvel at. He had no training. He had no deep understanding of the scriptures. In fact, no Bible existed. He was not discipled. He wasn't trained in evangelism. He wasn't taught how to give a testimony. He was loved by Jesus, he was set free by Jesus, and he was to go and tell people of the love and of the freedom. Simple enough. See, we've made it complicated. That once demon-possessed man loved Jesus, and he wanted to tell everybody about it. What would you have done? Well, if you were a normal church at that point in time, you would have told him he had to go to Bible study, he had to come to prayer meetings. He had to go to an evangelism class and a new believers class and a pastor's class. And then he needed to grow and he would need to mature and we would need to disciple you and then we need to train you and then we would need to equip you and then we can maybe release you. He met Jesus one day and he's proclaiming Jesus the next day. This is the simplicity of the faith. And we've complicated it. Amen? If it's complicated, it's religion. If it's simple, 
It's Jesus. Philip is told by God to go into a desert area on a road, and there he's going to meet an official, a person. He didn't know he was an official, but the man is the official of the royal court of the Ethiopian Empire. It's in Acts chapter 8. Philip initiates a conversation with the man. That's a good thing. Start conversations with people. You can talk about Jesus. And the man has all of his questions answered. An Ethiopian eunuch is born again and baptized in a roadside puddle. As he's coming out of the water, God takes Philip away, moves Philip in the spirit realm into the city of Ashdod. So this guy gets wet, gets baptized, comes out of the water, and the guy who's supposed to be helping him, God removed supernaturally. So this is God's plan, that this new convert has to head home. No basic Bible course, no Bible, a fragment of the prophet Isaiah that he was reading, no discipling, no training, no equipping. History tells us that the Ethiopian Empire embraced the gospel brought to them through this young, one young man. We've complicated it. If it's complicated, it's religion. If it's simple, it's Jesus. In Russia recently, I met two women. <clears throat> they were from China. One was an older woman, about my age, and one was a very young woman. Um, and they were pastors of a series of house churches in a major city in northeast China, which I can't name in case somebody there listens to this broadcast when I put it up on Podbean. They were responsible for the spiritual well-being of 100,000 people, even though they had been saved for less than 18 months. In a country where it's not legal to be born again, and it's definitely not legal to lead a born-again church, they function as an underground house church movement. They're sitting, we were sitting together early one morning waiting for our ride to pick us up, take us where I was going to be teaching, and here was the first question they asked me. Now, they don't speak Russian. They speak Chinese. I don't speak Russian. I speak English. And we're trying to communicate. The question was, what is God's name? The second question was, please tell us all about the Father, our Heavenly Father. They didn't know very much, folks. At that point in time, they had just received the Bibles in their own language. They didn't know much, but they loved lots. And that's all it takes, because you've got to love people. See, God is love. And Jesus is God. And so if we complicate it, we remove that simple fact that God is love. This older woman and younger woman, they were just loving people. They didn't know a lot. They knew that Jesus had saved them. I'm not sure they even knew he was God yet. And they were pastoring 100,000 people. Why? because they were responsible for leading all 100,000 people into the kingdom. They would get somebody saved, and they would get somebody saved, and they would get somebody saved, and they just kept coming. 
basic, not complicated, simple. In Kazakhstan, five years ago, I met a man from Kyrgyzstan. So you know where Pakistan is? Or India, Pakistan, Afghanistan, we all know where the war is. Move up the mountain and you have, move up the side of the mountain, China's on one side, on the other side you have Pakistan, you have uh, Turkmenistan, Tajikistan, Kyrgyzstan, Kazakhstan, Russia. It's really simple. This man had come to us from Tajikistan through Kyrgyzstan. He was a Baptist pastor, and he had won hundreds of people to the Lord in a country where I've been, Tajikistan, where it's totally illegal to even have a Bible or carry a Bible or talk about God. He was part of a network of underground Baptist churches in his nation. And I was teaching some house church leaders in Kazakhstan, and he had been invited to attend. And here was his question one night. He could speak English. And here was his question one night. We've heard about something called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Do you know anything about it? And if you do, would you teach us? Listen, they had led hundreds of people to Jesus without understanding the baptism in the Holy Spirit or the power of God or the gifts of the Spirit or the supernatural nature of the walk of God that they were on. They just were going around sharing the love of Jesus. Jesus loves me. He loves you. So he listened, and I taught. I love teaching on the baptism. And we prayed for him, and he was baptized in the Holy Spirit, and he began to move in the gifts. He began to prophesy that same night, and um, he went home and began to pray that others, other pastors, other leaders that he was relating to in other cities would be open to receive the experience and receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit and the supernatural power. He just prayed. And one day, sovereignly, the Holy Spirit visited every house church in his network and every leader in, those net, in that network and baptized every one of them in the Holy Spirit and released the gifts. God sovereignly moved in a whole nation and touched every born-again Baptist house church that had been founded. It's not complicated. If it's complicated, it's religion. If it's simple, it's Jesus. We're complicating it. Am I making my point? You're complicating it. So in East Asia, a missionary report, I launched my three-year plan in November 2000. My vision was to see 200 new churches started among my people group over the next three years. 200 churches, three years. Four months later, we've already reached that goal. After only six months, we had already seen 360, not 200, 360 churches planted and more than 10,000 new believers baptized. So now I'm asking God to enlarge my vision. If it's complicated, it's religion. If it's simple, I didn't say it was easy. If it's simple, it's Jesus. The second group of Chinese Christians that I'm involved in planted 236 house churches in a single month. If it's complicated, it's religion. 
We've complicated it. If it's simple, it's Jesus. I didn't say it was easy, but it's simple. I could tell you a hundred stories. So there's a young teenager in Kazakhstan, and he went up. I don't know who he is. Nobody knows who he is. He went up to an older person in Kazakhstan on the street and witnessed to him about the love of Jesus. And the Muslim got saved. Muslim went home, got his wife saved, and his children saved. Home is a huge, tall apartment building, and there's like 30 of them down the street all in a row. And in each apartment building, there may be 150 apartments. And so he just went from one apartment to the next apartment to the next apartment. And in the end, this is now 10 years later, he had 10,000 house churches with 30 people on average in each house church. 300,000 converted Muslims because of one teenager who nobody knows. Maybe he was an angel unawares. See, we make it complicated. It isn't complicated. These people that I'm talking about have a simple understanding of the Christian faith. It's a heart understanding, not a head understanding. You have more information than most pastors in the former Soviet Union where I work. We're not short of knowledge, but we have so much baggage. And so we've complicated the faith. I think we've cluttered the faith. Uh, we buried Jesus under our baggage sometimes, and we have a form of a born-again religion. But it's still a religion. You may be born again, but it's a religion. And we focus the faith on ourselves, and we're no longer focused on Jesus or the lost. And we're failing to obey the Lord, the head of the church. And so he's not able to build his church because we're not allowing him to. But I think we can turn that whole situation around in a very short time. Here's what we need to do. We need to return to our first love. Yes, yes. That's yes. what Revelation chapter 2, verse 4 says. You know, if you're in the Bible, in Acts chapter 19, Paul, the apostle, goes into the city of Ephesus. He's already planted two other churches. He's in the city of Ephesus. There's 12 guys, he thinks, because it says there was about 12 guys. I don't know why they could, you know, maybe there was 11 and a half guys, but almost 12. It was a joke. But the Bible does say that. There were about 12 guys. Maybe we ran out of fingers, right? So he's got 12 guys who don't know Jesus. They're disciples of John the Baptist. And so he shares the gospel with them. They get saved. They get baptized in the Holy Spirit, baptized in water. Then they get baptized in the Holy Spirit. All in six verses. In an hour and a half, Paul plants a church with 12 guys. Fast forward. Go down four verses. Two years later, the Bible says... In two years' time, every person heard the word of the Lord. Every person in Asia Minor, so that's Iraq, Iran, Turkey, Armenia, every person heard the word of the Lord. Now, whether that's just the love of God or a prophetic word, we don't know. Ephesus had 50,000 believers in two years in a city of 200,000. So a quarter of the city was saved. Fast forward 90 years. Jesus said, I have this against you. You've lost your first love. And the church ceased 
to exist. The city of Ephesus ceased to exist. It's in ruins. We made it too complicated. We need to go back to our first love. We need to fall in love with Jesus again. Someone say amen. The real Jesus, not the religious Jesus, not the Jesus of your imagination, not the Jesus who uh, rubber stamps, good housekeeping seal of approval on everything that you do that isn't biblical. We need to remove the clutter that's in our spirit and in our lives. And we need to go back to the basics. What are the basics? Love God. Love yourself so that you can love your neighbors. That's it. So there was a theologian back in the early 1900s, and he wrote a 12-volume series of theology. So he analyzed the Bible, studied God, and wrote 12 volumes. And near the end of his life, they said to him, so what was the greatest truth that you discovered in all of the years of writing, studying, and teaching? And here's what he said. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Basic. We need to go back to the basic. So here's the simplicity of the Christian faith. God is love. 1 John 4, 8. And God the Father so loved that he sent his son Jesus. You know that. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Romans 5 says that God shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know the message. Jesus loves us, and because of his love, he died for us. Even Jesus said, greater love has no one than this, that a man, someone, would lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends. And when we respond to that love that got him on the cross, we are born again, and then what does God do? Well, Romans chapter 5 says in verse 5 that God's love is then poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So now we have God's love inside of us. And so now we can love him in return. Because the Bible says in 1 John, we love him because he first loved us. And then if we, uh, if we let him, if we let the Holy Spirit do this, he will grow that love inside of us so that it will grow and then overflow and splash out on other people. That's Philippians 1.9. May the Lord make your love to grow and overflow to each other. That's to the Christians. And then to everyone. That's the non-Christians. It's simple. You have the love of God. You've experienced the love of God. You've encountered the love of God. Now give it away. The Christian faith is walking in love and giving it away. We've complicated it. If it's complicated, it's religious. If it's simple, I didn't say easy, it's Jesus. How did Jesus minister? Well, he had this love relationship with his father. And so he would every day listen to what his father said. Jesus said, I only speak those things that I hear the Father say. And I only do those things that I see the Father do. Well, let's examine that. 
You can hear God's voice if you're born again. You have a relationship with him. That's the definition of the gift of eternal life, is to have a relationship. John chapter 10 says in verse 3 that you can hear my sheep hear my voice. In verse 4 it says my sheep know my voice. So you know which voice is God's, you know which voice isn't God's. That takes a little practice. And then a little further down in John chapter... John chapter 10, verse 16, you'll hear it say, my sheep obey my voice. So we can hear the voice of God. So therefore, like Jesus, what we hear, we speak. Jesus said to Nicodemus, if you're born again, then you can see the kingdom. So what you see, you do. We can see what God's going to do. We can feel it. We can sense it. We can know it. And then we get involved in it. Jesus, God, who is love, treated everyone the same. He loved everyone unconditionally, no strings attached. Because of that, he accepted everyone just as they were. He didn't judge them and he didn't reject them. Listen, Christian. And then he forgave all who wronged him, sinned against him. That's what love does. Jesus loved the Father, and so he obeyed the Father. He spoke what he heard, and he did what he saw. You and I love God, so we should speak what we hear, do what we see. Jesus only spoke harshly to one group of people, the Pharisees, the religious people. You know, the ones that he called whitewashed tombs, hypocrites, rule keepers, the legalists. But even then, listen, he spoke the truth in love. So it's simple. In our world, we are to love everyone unconditionally. We are to accept them just as they are. And we are to forgive them because they will hurt us, offend us, speak against us. See, I didn't say it was easy. I said it was simple. So here's what I've said so far. We are loved by God. Oh, we are so loved by God. And Jesus, God the Son, died for us because he loves us. And we receive that love. We become born again. And that love is then poured into our inner being, into our heart. And then it grows and it overflows. It touches the other Christians who are also hard to love at times. Amen? And then it's supposed to splash out on everyone else in the world. That's what God's love is. It's amazing. So let me tell you about the love. God's love never fails. You know all these verses. God's love never fails. Nothing can separate you from his love. Because we love, we obey. You and I can speak the truth in love. There's one exception to that. When your wife, guys, uh, gets a new outfit and she puts it on and she comes to you and she says, so does it mean you look thinner? You can lie. You don't need to speak the truth. See me after, we'll cast my... Okay. <laughs> 
Listen, love covers a multitude of sin. What that means is when you sin against me, or just sin, period, it's not going to affect our relationship. I'm not going to cover it up. We will confront it. We will talk about it. But it's not going to affect our relationship because love covers a multitude of sins. The Bible says we are to love one another. The Bible says love always, 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 always builds up, never tears down. Love helps us to be patient with ourselves and with, with others. The one I didn't know, love controls us. That's what 2 Corinthians 5.14 says. Love controls us. Not your feelings. Love does. Faith works by love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. That love is seen in your joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The Bible says that if we will love Him, He will manifest Himself to us. He'll show up physically, spiritually. In this, you can feel Him. The Bible says we are to abide in his love. Let's live in his love, live through his love. The Bible says his love never ends. We are to do everything in love. We are to be rooted and grounded in his love. We bear with one another or support and encourage one another in love. We walk in his love. We abound in his love. In other words, we have a never-ending, abundant supply of his love inside of us. If you start to study what the love is all about in the Bible, you'd be amazed. It's what it's all about. It's that simple. Love, love, love. I was looking for that Beatles song this morning. All you need is love. (laughs) I thought, hey, it's a Beatle hymn. All you need is love. So, what's my point? It's time to return to our first love. To Jesus. The real Jesus. And get rid of the baggage. Listen, your love cannot be the ministry, or your comfort, or your security, or your safety, or your musical preferences. It's not a self-centered love centered on your needs, your wants, your owies. It's time that the Christians, at least in our area, in North America, dumped the excess religious and worldly baggage. It's time to travel light. It's a time to love the Lord your God with all of your heart. All. God has this word, all. He seems to like it. All. We like some. So when you go to a buffet, you want an all-you-can-eat buffet. You don't go to a buffet when it says some that you can eat. Well, Jesus doesn't do some. He does all. So we need to get rid of the baggage and love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We need to learn to love ourselves. You know that most Christians don't love themselves? They don't know who they are anyways, but they don't love themselves. You know what you should do every morning? You should get up, look in the mirror, see how good looking you are. And then you should, you should say, mm, I love me. Because <laughs> if you don't love you, you can't love your neighbor as you love yourself. Well, you can, but it wouldn't work very No. <laughs> no, it wouldn't be received either. <laughs> so it is time, I believe, 
for the Christian church in North America to go back to the basics, the foundation of the faith, and that is the simplicity of love. It's interesting. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 24, verse 14, the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole earth, and then the end can come. But if you go up two verses, it says lawlessness will be increasing. The love of, God, the love of many will grow cold. And the word love there is agape, God love. And the only people who have God love are the Christians. So he is saying, just above, get into the whole world so the whole world can hear the gospel of the kingdom so Jesus can come back, go up a verse or two, and it says, a lot of Christians are losing their love. They're drifting away from their love relationship with God and with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And because of that, this gospel will not be proclaimed to the whole world as fast as it should be. It's time we make sure we haven't lost it. How do you lose the love? You drift. And it's real slow. You didn't get up one morning and just decide to stop loving God and stop receiving his love. It drifts. And eventually your boat collects so much baggage that it sinks. Let's go back to the basics. It's really simple. I love you. I love me. I love God. It's really simple. And if it's complicated, it's religion. But if it's simple, it's Jesus. Amen? Amen. Okay. When I work overseas... Oh, I got the button. Thank you. When I work overseas, um, in almost every nation, we open what we call drug houses. <laughs> uh, they're rehab centers, but we call them drug houses. Uh, we will go in to a city, we get, um, go on the streets, we get a drug addict saved and delivered, and uh, the Holy Spirit is great, and he knows Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. That's as simple as it gets. He doesn't know any Bible, he just knows that God loves him, and that he's now being delivered of a 20, 30, 35 year cocaine or heroin habit. Because there's, and now they have crocodile, which is another huge a synthetic drug that's actually killing one out of every two people who take it. So we're losing a lot of people before we can get to them and talk to them about Jesus. We bring these guys into these decrepit houses we buy, and we have a two-year program. And here's the program. It's real simple. And then I'm going to show you the video. Um, you get up in the morning, 5 o'clock, and you have five hours of prayer and Bible together with the leader. And then you have your meals, you spend the afternoon fixing up the house, uh, putting a washroom in, because most of them don't have washrooms or an outhouse or anything. I mean, literally, we're buying shacks uh, or railway containers, and then we have to put a hole in it for a window and do that kind of thing. And they're living in pretty simple stuff, but they're not living in the sewer anymore. And they go out and find other guys who want to get free, and they come in, and so in the evening, in the afternoon, they have to work around the house. In the evening, they do another five hours of Bible study and prayer. That's our program. You don't get methadone to come off of a drug. You don't give them a drug to get off of a drug. We pray for them. We pray with them, and we teach them the basics of the Christian faith. At the end of one year, you, and by the way, you're inside, surrounding, you usually put a fence around it, or out in the country someplace, um, uh, and so you can leave if you want, but if you leave, you have to negotiate to come back. 
Our love is not sloppy agape. We are really serious about what we do. The second year, if you stay with us, you can go into the town and have a job, and all of the money you earn comes back to the house. So all we have to do is support that house for one year, and it's self-supporting, and we can move on to another house, another house, another house. At the end of two years, if you're still sold on what we're doing, you can start the next house for us, or you can pastor a church for us. All of our pastors over there are former drug addicts, mafia bosses, drug dealers. Um, they're embarrassing because they don't give a rip what you think about them. And so we start houses after houses after houses. The last time I was in Istanbul, Turkey, we started a house. Somebody donated the house and it was in good shape. It was an amazing house. And we have since planted three more in Turkey. Uh, it's the same Russian group doing it. Um, in Russia, we have 163 homes that we're working with, and we're not the only group doing this. Our success rate is almost 90%. These guys, they know that Jesus saved them, and the Holy Spirit delivered them. That's all they know. And they go out and witness to their drug addict friends and bring them in, and they see the same thing happen again and again and again. They kept it simple. We're not complicated. We're simplified it. As simple as we can get. And it works. So we're going to show you a video. Um, so Bruce is going to turn the lights out for me. And 